This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And in this podcast, we are, for the most part, going to start laying the groundwork um, for the big-time names to know. You know, it's early, so a lot of things can change. But the big-time names to know for this 2023 class, uh, we think it's it's going to be a big, big class in terms of uh, where they end up being ranked at the end of the cycle. Um, so there's going to be plenty of elite prospects to know over the course of the next 12 months. So we'll dive into that here in the second half of the podcast. Uh, in the first half of the podcast, Gabby, though, I want to touch on kind of the most recent uh, notable news to come out of the football program. And that is, I don't, I still don't think as we're recording here yeah. Monday at two o'clock that it's like officially official, but it's basically official. I mean, it's, it's, it's a done deal. Quarterbacks coach will be Frank Pont, who was the offensive coordinator at App State. Uh, good hire. Uh, wh- what's your take on it, Gabby? I mean, I love it. I think it's a great hire. I mean, you just look at what, you know, Frank Ponce did while he was at App State. I mean, just this past year, uh, the number 22 scoring offense in the country, uh, a Miami guy, a guy that's actually kind of been wanting to come back home. I mean, David, I, I know we were at a few of the Miami events over the summer where, you know, other schools will come in and scout the seven on seven tournaments that are going on or and even some of the camps that Miami has going on. Frank Ponce is one of the guys that was in the building and looked pretty thrilled to be there. So, you know, I think it's a pretty cool homecoming for him and a guy that's you know, really, I mean, I think, again, I think this is a, a pretty a pretty significant flex for Mario Cristobal. I mean, even if it's sort of low-key, you know, getting a group of five offensive coordinator to come down, a successful group of five offensive coordinator to come down to Miami to just be the quarterback's coach. I mean, there's no co-offensive coordinator title sort of attached to Frank Pons. I mean, I, I like this a lot. I think he's a guy that's done um, a lot with, you know, a little bit at App State. I mean, you saw what, Duke, what Chase Bryce was at Duke in 2020 and just even how much better he was in 2021, even in that uh, Miami game early in the season, I thought that there was a pretty clear, uh, you know, distinction there. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that addition. I think that he's going to do some good stuff, some good things here. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things with this hire too, uh, you know, if Manny Diaz was retained, I think Frank Ponce would have been one of the front runners to be his offensive coordinator. Right. With Rhett Lashley moving on to SMU. Um, So that's interesting, you know, and and I don't think necessarily like it's been promised to Frank Ponce or anything and like that, where he's like the 
offensive coordinator in waiting, right? Mm -hmm. If Josh Gaddis has success and moves on to be a head coach somewhere, I don't think it's, it's been communicated that you will be the next OC, but certainly I think that's what Frank would hope for. Um, and if he does a good job as the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, he will probably get an opportunity to make a case that he should be the next offensive coordinator. Um, you mentioned number 22 uh, scoring offense in the country last year. Um, the S&P Plus analytic, uh, which kind of takes away tempo um, and all that good stuff that can inflate offensive numbers, had App State as the number 45 offense in the country. Uh, so a good, solid college offense, 6.1 yards per play which was good for number 31 overall in the country. Um, and you mentioned Chase Bryce, right? I think in 2020, when he was at Duke, he was, he was the worst power five quarterback in the country. Yeah. Um, threw for 2,170 yards, 10 touchdowns against 15 interceptions. Only 54% of his passes were completed at Duke. Um, he transferred to App State. He did he did improve the personnel around him with that transfer, right? App State had some good players that Duke did not at the skill positions, but still the numbers were drastically better. Uh, 3,337 yards, 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 62% completion rate. So um, that one year working with Frank Ponce, uh, you know, Frank Ponce, I think, got the best out of Chase Bryce working with him as the offensive coordinator. I think we saw two similar jumps at Louisville, right? So Ponce came back to App State. Um, he was at App State from like 2013 to 2018, I believe, uh, or 2017. And then 2018 and 19, he was at Louisville, uh, I believe or 2019, 2020, sorry. Uh, but in 2018, right, Ponce inherited a quarterback room that was abysmal at Louisville. They had thrown for 2,500 yards as a group the year before. Again, 10 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Um, in his first year at Louisville as the quarterback's coach, that room improved to throw for 3,000 yards with 32 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Um, so he gets results, right? Um, the players he works with improve. He seems to be able to build offenses that get the most out of them. And uh, that's what being a coach is all about, right? His, his first stint at Appalachian State, he worked a lot with Taylor Lamb, who was a four-year starter. Uh, I would say a game manager, like a good game manager at the G5 level. When Miami played them back in 2016, Taylor Lamb was their quarterback. Um, during his career at App State, he threw for 9,763 yards with 90 touchdowns and 32 interceptions. So, um, you know, Frank Ponce has a track record. I like that he, he will also bring, I think, some good uh, – even though he's the quarterback's coach and the passing game coordinator, right? He will bring good 
uh, concepts, good ideas in the run game, I think, to the room, right? Because he comes from that Scott Satterfield tree, Mm -hmm. which, you know, thrives on the outside zone run game, stretch run plays. Uh, They'll run some pistol formation stuff too. Um, and, And honestly too, Gabby, I think some of these ideas, some of these run game ideas will be valuable for Miami this year because they're not they don't have the offensive line personnel to just line up and, and move people right. with, with their power and strength. They're going to mm-hmm. have to get defensives moving side to side and find those seams with stretch runs, et cetera. So um, just another smart mind in that offensive room. Yeah. And I just like, I feel like even some of Miami's best runs last year, like we were always like when they sort of pushed it to the outside a little bit, I felt like that's when they were most successful. So I'm definitely I'm definitely excited to add some of that Louisville sort of, you know, because I feel like even when we were talking about like, every week when it was Louisville week, it was just talking about the, the outside zone, how you had to, you know, yeah. you had to be aware of the outside zone. So if Miami could be one of those teams that could, you know, implement that into their offense and just make that, you know, a part of it, not saying it's going to be a staple of it, but for them to be able to mix that in, I think that just makes them more dangerous. Yeah. Just more ideas. Right. right. And, and of course, Scott Satterfield was an OC under Mario Cristobal at FIU. So that's the connection, right? Frank Ponce went with Scott Satterfield to App State, uh, then went to Louisville. Um, But yeah, the Scott Satterfield offense does a good job of emphasizing the run game, but maintaining spread principles, uh, a balanced offense, right? Uh, Which is what Mario wants to run. Um, So great hire, Frank Ponce, um, as again, quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. So now by our count, Gabby, there's basically three positions that have not been announced, right? How about you go into kind of what we believe those positions entail? Yeah, um, I mean, I think one of them is definitely on the offensive side, still no real clarity on what the tight end position is going to look like. Right. Um, You know, Stephen Field is obviously the incumbent. Uh, hasn't really been stamped as the next tight ends coach. So I think that I think it's safe to assume that they're out there looking for a guy. Um, I'm not exactly sure who that's, who that's going to be. I'm not going to sit here throwing names uh, out there like that, that I'm not certain sure. about, but uh, I mean, that's definitely a spot. Um, I think I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a defensive ends coach. So I think that's something that might be a little bit different that, you know, some Miami fans might not be accustomed to. Uh, from what I understand, it sounds like Joe Salave is going to sort of handle like the interior defensive lineman. They're going to get a guy that, maybe handles the defensive ends, pass rushers, uh, those types of guys. From what I understand, uh, they almost had their guy. And then the school that he was, that he would have been leaving from uh, ended up slapping a defensive coordinator title on him, not a co-defensive coordinator title, a full-time defensive coordinator title that sort of kept him where he was at. So I think they're still looking for a guy there. Um, I think, I guess with the last spot, from what I understand, Jamel day is going to be the, or is going to be the, the defensive backs coach. So there's not going to be a corners back coach or safeties coach. He's going to sort of handle all that with, uh, you know, DeMarcus Van Dyke definitely being his right hand uh, guy with that as a, as a top defensive analyst. Um, so I guess that would leave linebackers um, or an outside linebackers coach, just with the linebacker situation. From what I understand, Kevin Steele is going to be probably going to be the guy that handles it. I know that's not something that he's done um, a lot of in the past. He sort of only had that full-time defensive coordinator title, but from what I'm gathering, it sounds like Kevin Steele is going to be the guy that sort of handles that. And um, again, maybe just an assumption on my part. I, if they don't, if they, I guess they could still go get a linebacker guy. 
Um, but if they don't, my best guess would might be like an outside linebacker, striker, nickel right. type of, of coach, a hybrid coach. You know, we saw Ishmael Ariskeed in that role last year covering the strikers. Right. Um, if they want to be multiple, I think that's a pretty valuable sort of guy to have on the on the defense, just someone that can coach up that spot. Um, so, you know, I think that's a I think that that's a potential, but that's probably the latest of what I'm hearing. I don't have a lot of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, names. this is this can all change. Right. Mario can change sure. his mind. And also, too, let's say a, a really good linebacker coach says, hey, I want to come. You know, exactly. You figure it out. Right. So it's all fluid. But yeah, that's that's our understanding of like what the vision will be um, with piecing together, obviously, just the defensive side. Right. Offensive side's pretty much all done. They just need to name whoever the tight ends coach is going to be. Um, so. The most interesting thing, though, I think, is splitting up the defensive line. Do you like that? What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I don't hate it. I feel like a lot – I mean, it seems like more schools do it than maybe I thought. I know Texas A&M does it. They have – I think their defensive tackles coach was Elijah Robinson, who ended up winning, like, the Recruiter of the Year award uh, for the Aggies in the 24-7 Sports Recruiter of the Year award, and I think they have a defensive ends guy, too. Um, I don't think it's like – I guess it's different just because we haven't really seen it, but I'm kind of cool with it. I think uh, – you know, I do think that there needs to be sort of a jump with those sort of, you know, pass rushers between Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams, those types of guys. So, I mean, right. I don't necessarily hate them going out and getting a guy that's going to sit there with those pass rushers and make sure that they get going the right way. And especially with some of the guys coming up, Cyrus Moss, Nigel e. Kelly, those types that are going to get more, maybe more of a hands-on uh, pass rush specialist or a guy that's just going to sort of, you know, hone in on that. Um, I'm not mad at it. I think it's cool. I mean, you always want to have one of those like specialty positions covered. I think that that's, you know, and that's definitely an important one. I feel like we saw that in the Super Bowl yesterday, how important that, that edge spot is sort of is. So, um, you know, I definitely don't mind having that. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 you know, I don't know how much detail we can go into here, but we get the sense too, that, uh, there's still plenty more to do in terms of building out the off field staff right? In terms of GAs, mm -hmm. quality controls, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, director of player personnels, yeah. maybe even like a general manager position. There's still going to be a lot more to come, right? Between now and, I don't know, the end of spring. Yeah, yeah I, I still think they're going to continue working through that staff. Um, I mean, the only thing I can probably say as of now is that Josh Gaddis added a, a graduate assistant, probably going to be with him in the wide receiver room. Uh, from Michigan that he brought over. Uh, that's Nate Crutchfield. Uh, that's one of his like main guys. Mich Michigan was did one of those like satellite camps that OFIU hosted one of those like satellite camps where a bunch of different schools came and, you know, ran guys through drills and Michigan actually sent Crutchfield to FIU. He was one of the guys working hands on with the receivers there. Uh, you know, he so he's worked hand in hand with Jalen Brown, who was out there running routes at that FIU camp over the summer. So, you know, I think that they have a pretty good relationship. So, you know, um, there's they're they're filling it out. I know there's some GA names that are starting to like sort of filter in a little bit more too. That are are all that stuff is ongoing. They're going to continue to build all that stuff out. So before we take a break here and dive into recruiting, I think we should mention too that Miami has released their spring football schedule. Right, um, so you get 15 practices. Miami will start there. It's about a month, right? We'll call it a month of spring football. On March 7th, which is a Monday, they'll have three practices, which is kind of like an acclimation period, kind of a lighter practice that first week. Then they'll go on spring break 
and then they'll return to practice and, and go for about four weeks, uh, March 22nd through April 16th, with Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday practices every week, uh, with the spring game wrapping up on April 16th. And uh, we're under the impression that Miami is going to hold their spring game at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, which is where uh, the MLS team enter Miami plays. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on having the spring game somewhere other than Hard Rock Stadium? Do you care? Does it bother you? What are your thoughts? No, it doesn't really bother me other than that I have to drive up to Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami Gardens now. But, I mean, I think it's cool. It's a pretty cool venue, too. Um, you know, I'm sort of about it. And when you look at yeah. – I mean, I feel like there's some connection there. Who was on the flight picking up Mario Cristobal from Oregon? The guy that, like, owns the Inter Miami, yep. right? Yeah, Jose I mean, Moss. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a – I feel like that's sort of something that just makes sense to have it there. Um, I think – I mean, Hard Rock's always cool, but they'll get other chances to – to be there and, and do all those things. So I think the drive pink is a, is a, is a really cool place to have it as, as well. So, yeah, so we'll get into some of our spring preview type content here. You know, we got a couple weeks to dive into that, but again, March 7th um, is the first spring practice of the yeah. Mario Cristobal era. So, um, you know, by then he will have his full coaching staff in place and uh It'll be it'll be time to go get on the field, get some work done. Uh, one, let's, one more quick thing, David. Yeah. Uh, Larry Hodges in the portal. I feel like we should throw that in there. Sure. Yeah, Larry Hodges is in the portal. Uh, reserve tight end. Um, you know, kind of an H back guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think best of luck to him. I think it's going to be it. Writing was on the wall in terms of it's going to be tough to get on the field with oh, yeah. Will Mallory coming back. Elijah Arroyo, uh, a year older, highly talented guy. And then Jaleel Skinner, right? Top 100 recruit. Um, I don't know if he'll be like an immediate impact guy this year, but certainly can maybe play a, a small role in the red zone or something if, if he progresses in that way. So three NFL level talented players there. Um, you know, so I think getting on the field is going to be tough for Larry. So hopefully he gets a landing spot where he can, he can showcase his ability. Um, but yeah, I guess it has been a while since there's been any portal entries for Miami. So yeah, that, yeah, definitely been a minute. Let's take a break there. And, uh, after this break, we'll dive into recruiting talk. All right. We are back. Um, before we jump into 2023, uh, Miami is still technically not done with 2022, right? They are still chasing five-star offensive tackle Josh Connerly, um, who, who's from the state of Washington, Seattle area, um, took his official visit to Miami uh, the last weekend before signing day, but he's still going to take more visits in March. Um, probably make a decision mid to late March. Um, but he's taking his time cause he plays basketball as well. And so he wants to finish out that basketball season before he, 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 uh, explores more of his football options. So, um, I guess the question I have Gabby is, 
you know, Michigan was a team that was really viewed as a significant threat for Connerly. Um, and so obviously the hiring of Josh Gaddis, right? Do you think that helps Miami in any way? Does it not affect much in your opinion? Is it mainly just about Mario and Alex Mirabal? How do you view that hiring and it impacting Josh Connerly? Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, definitely Michigan was one of those schools that earlier on in the process probably felt like they're in the best spot. Um, Josh Gaddis, I, from what I understand, was involved, but I think the offensive line coach, who's now the co-offensive coordinator, or maybe the offensive coordinator, I know he was really involved in the recruitment. So I'm not sure how much Josh Gaddis necessarily impacts Miami in this. Um, I was talking to someone, you know, in Coral Gables today, just sort of, you know, got the topic from you, David, and I was like, all right, let me get, let me do some some extra digging here. And, uh, you know, I feel like the sense really in Miami is just, you know, maybe just a toss up, you know, they feel like they, they could be the, the pick. They could see him, you know, liking one of the West coast schools, uh, maybe even Oklahoma, who knows, but I think, uh, I think I, I'm not sure it's, it's probably just too early to really tell how much it impacts Miami. I'm not, if, if it does at all, but I think yeah. Miami still feels okay about how they've done, but I mean, we kind of saw it with Dave Uly, you know, you go and check out Oregon, you go check out USC, you know, with the West Coast closer to home. I think he's going to unofficially visit Washington, who people earlier in the process sort of thought that that's where he might have ended up. So, you know, I think there is a lot. There's going to be a lot of sort of a later push maybe from some of those closer to home schools. So still definitely sure. monitoring that. But, um, you know, I do think Miami's kind of done what they have, they've had to do. And we'll see. I mean, we, we said he was going to commit in March. We're already almost like halfway there now. So. Um, definitely one to keep monitoring through the next month or so. Yeah. And he's going to take his time with it too. Oh, right? for sure. Um, definitely. And, and he hasn't made a decision. So um, I will say, you know, if Miami is able to pull off that big recruiting win, uh, they would jump to, to number 12 in the rankings from 15 to 12. They would be trailing. So number 10, I think is Clemson. Number 11 is North Carolina. So two of their ACC foes, um, they'd be trailing those teams in the recruiting rankings. Um, and, and I do think too, honestly, you know, it, it's tough to expect any true freshman on the offensive line to make an impact, but I will say Mario Cristobal has shown, he does have a track record of playing highly touted offensive linemen as true freshmen. Um, at Alabama, he started Cam Robinson at left tackle uh, as a true freshman. Also at Alabama, he started Jonah Williams. I believe he started at right tackle for Alabama as a true freshman when Mario Cristobal was the position coach there. And then, of course, Penay Sewell, right? Uh, he was a true freshman starter at Oregon. So, uh, you know, I think there, there's, it's fair to have questions about Miami's offensive line. I do think Zion Nelson is solidly the starting left tackle. Um, but a talented guy like Josh Carnally uh, could get on the field as a guard. Either one of the guards could push for a right tackle spot, right? I think that position could be open. Um, I can definitely see him, him being the right tackle. Right. So, you know, I think there's a lot to sell there. Um, there's a track record. There's a position kind of open there, not just right tackle. I think, look, right guard, left guard, like 
I mean, that happens all the time in college football, get the five best on and you can hide that freshman on the inside sometimes. Um, and then his second year, you kick him outside the tackle. So just something to, to monitor. And, uh, you know, Josh is going to take his time with this decision. Um, and yeah, he's still, still working his way through it. So, um, we'll know more once the calendar turns to March. So speaking of the calendar moving forward, uh, it's time to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit for this 2023 cycle. Um, and Gabby, I think it's fair to say, right? I mean, you and I, I think have both kind of been told this. Internally, the expectation, I don't know if we want to say goal, but there, there is a, an expectation that Miami should be pushing for a top five class yeah. in the country in 2023, right? Yeah, I've definitely heard that more than once. And so that's a big deal, right? Because yeah. during the 24-7 sports era, which, you know, 24-7 sports uh, was launched in 2011. So Miami has not been close, to, quite frankly, to landing a top five class um, since the 2011 cycle. They've landed, so the highest one they've landed is number eight in 2018. Um, I don't think they were all that close to fifth. Uh, but that's the best class of the 24-7 sports era. They also landed the number 10 class, I believe, in 2012, which I think was Duke Johnson's class, Duke Johnson and Tracy Howard. Um, so, you know, top five class, that is some serious stacking of talent in a class. And, you know, as recruiting rankings get better and better and better over time, there's certainly a macro correlation of the teams that recruit the best have the best chance at competing for championships. And, and when I say recruit the best, that's over a three to five year period. Right. Um, so this would be, you know, typically you see a bump from the first full cycle of a new head coach. So this will be Mario Cristobal's first full cycle, this 2023 cycle. Um, and, and you look at, you look at this year, right? What does it take to land a top five class? Um, I think you have to land about somewhere between three to seven, five-star players. Uh, you have to land about 10 top 100 players. So that's where I want to start this conversation, Gabby, yeah. top 100 players. Who are the ones to know? Um, and, and we can just kind of go rapid fire, right? And some of yeah. these names we've already discussed on the podcast, uh, but I think it's worth uh, reiterating them um, because they're big time players, right? So uh, let's, let's try and keep this to 10. Yeah. Who are 10? And again, rankings can change a lot. For sure. As we evaluate as the company evaluates over the next year, right? So maybe some of these guys in the top 100 now won't be in six months, but still, this is what we're working with at this stage. So 10 top 100 players, let's go. Number one, who you got? Number one, I mean, I feel like you got to start with Cormani McLean. Um, that's definitely one of the top guys on the board regarding this position. So that's definitely uh, a top 100 name that they want to have. 
the number three overall player in the country, five-star guy. Mario's gonna he's gonna speak at his high school. Is that yeah. right? In February? Yeah, that's just absolutely crazy. Like that's just like such a Mario Cristobal move, just going to the high school, speaking to at like the senior banquet or whatever it is. Um, right, but like you know, it's still in that dead period. So I mean, just kind of like a little way to show face to Cormani McLean again. I mean, just such a big time recruiting move to to be able to get that done. And we feel like Miami's in a good spot, right? I mean, you have the the trio, the recruiting trio of Mario as the head coach, who we know is going to grind on Cormani the whole cycle. Uh, Cormani has a strong relationship with DVD. Um, and Jamile Adai was recruiting him at Georgia, correct? So Miami's sitting in a good spot, but best corner in the country, the competition's going to be significant. Uh, next guy you would highlight, top 100 player. So we've, we've named one. Who's the second one? You'd feel like Miami's got a decent shot with. Yeah, I mean, I kind of go to the go to a counterpart. Let's go five-star wide receiver Jalen Brown. I think uh, I think okay. Miami's in a really good spot there. Sort of, you know, at this point of the process, at least, I think he's going to take some visits now in March. I think LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, uh, probably a few schools like that will get him on campus. But I mean, this is a guy that was highly, highly considering Michigan. Um, you know, the family's very big on Josh Gaddis. They're actually big on uh, Crutchfield, who's a guy that I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of relationships that sort of made their way from a, a previous top school to a current top school. And, um, you know, I think that puts my, I think Miami is going to be pretty tough to be, um, you know, at least right now as things stand on, you know, February 14th, midday, Miami's probably in the best spot there. Five-star at a Gulliver prep. Um, one of the fastest recruits in the country, right? What does he go in the hundred? Like 10 fives, 10 sixes? Yeah, he, he's, he, I think he's like 10 six right now. He's running okay. track now again. Uh, I think next weekend's his first meet and, you know, just talking to his dad and stuff, they think that he can put up a pretty impressive time. So it's going to be definitely going to be interesting to see what he, what he puts together. Deep ball threat. Would you say it's my impression, like of these top 100 guys right now, I would say Miami's like, if you're going to say who's the guy in Miami's in the best, best, best spot to land. I would, I would go Jalen Brown and not think twice. Would you? Yeah, I would probably go Jalen Brown for sure. Who's the competition there now? Is it still Michigan or would you say Florida state? Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe Florida state's in there. I'm not even sure how much Florida state's in there, honestly. I mean, I guess they could be, um, I think LSU is probably pretty intriguing. Okay. Um, I think if Alabama were to sort of get involved because they haven't offered yet, I think that would obviously make things super interesting. Texas A&M is a school that I know that's not okay. a school Miami fans really like to hear about right now, but uh, from what I get, Texas A&M is kind of making a push. I think Texas wants to get him on campus. Um, I think the receiver coach from Pittsburgh was on him at Pittsburgh and now he's at Texas. So I think that that's a school that he might go check out as well. Um, there's a few schools out there that, you know, are, are sort of interested now. Oklahoma's in the mix now too. So um, th- those are, are probably a few schools that I think could, uh, you know, make things interesting. Who's the third top 100 guy you would highlight? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jaden Wayne. Uh, I feel like a name Miami fans are pretty familiar with right now. Uh, five-star defensive lineman out of Tacoma, Washington. Uh, definitely a guy that's going to sort of test this West Coast. Um, right. Mario Cristobal's West Coast presence. It's almost like, I know there's people asking, like, how long can he sort of maintain that of just picking up guys from the West Coast? Cyrus Moss is obviously huge. Um, so Jaden Wayne's a guy, again, he's already been to Miami twice. He was most recently down for elite prospect day, spent a couple of days on campus. 
Uh, that was a big deal. And David, me and you saw it five feet away from us. You know how Mario Cristobal sort of did a slow jog over to catch the Wayne family on the way out and, you know, have that last conversation. So I know that that's going to be a top priority guy for him. So Jaden Wayne's probably the third top 100 talent that, uh, you know, I would highlight in this, you know, 2023 cycle right now. And he's a national level guy, right? Like yeah. Alabama's this team to mm-hmm. watch, right? So yeah. yeah, I guess he could stay in the Pacific Northwest, but he seems like a guy who's open to going anywhere, which helps Miami's case. Yeah. Uh, who would be your fourth guy? Yeah, I'm going to go Hakeem Williams. I mean, another another pretty popular name, uh, you know, top 100 player, number 59 overall player uh, per the composite, uh, you know, four starter, star receiver out of Fort Lauderdale Stranahan. Um, I think David, I mean, I think he's stock up for a lot of us right now. I mean, we, I mean, Andrew yeah. went to go watch him play basketball, posted some ridiculous clip where he just like sort of just jammed on some guy right off the dribble, just super impressive athleticism, uh, watched him in seven on seven for the first time. And that was really fun to watch, even though it was muddy and all that stuff. So, you know, I think that he's someone that, you know, I'm sort of growing more on. I mean, he doesn't really have a lot work going for him at Stranahan just because it's not a very good football team. You know, the quarterback situation isn't great, but, you know, just watching everything else he does and how freaky athletic he is, is uh, is really, really impressive. And I think he's putting on a, a good bit of mass. I think he's just like, he's that type of receiver that Miami doesn't really have on their roster. Maybe they have on the roster now with Frank Ladson, but I think he can be better than, you know, even a Frank Ladson type, just the way that he's looking right now physically. I think it's going to be a battle for uh, Hakeem because I'm not quite sure the SEC has caught on to how good he is yet. Um, but that's Ohio coming. State has Ohio State has, and okay. I think that's one school that's going to make things interesting because you know when Brian Hartline sort of comes calling and decides you're one of his yeah. guys. That's always tough. So, yep, and uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting to watch. South Florida Express, which is a seven on seven team. Uh, Definitely has some connections to Ohio State. So I agree. That is one to watch. How about your fifth top 100 guy? My fifth top 100 guy. I'm going to go with, uh, let's go quarterback, man. I'm going to go with Dante Moore. Um, he's a, he's okay. a, a guy that's ranked really high. We have him as a, I think he's a, a industry five-star, the composite has he him is. as a five-star. Um, I'm not sure if, again, I know we've talked about I don't about know it, if David. he'll end up that high, yeah. but. I think he's probably more of a top two, four, seven guy when it's all said and done. Maybe not, right, maybe, right. maybe not in that top 10, top 15, top 20 territory. I still think that, you know, what he's put on tape, uh, you know, throughout yeah. the course of his high school career is extremely impressive. Um, you know, it's, it is, I mean, the only time I've seen him in person is that one seven on seven tournament, which wasn't fantastic or anything like that. But, you know, looking at the bigger picture, I think Dante Moore is a quarterback that, you know, you're definitely going to want to know again, a lot of ties to Michigan, uh, you know, really with Josh Gaddis, that's a school that he was high on that he had visited a, a few times. So I think now that he's at Miami and that he has visited Miami, I think that that's a school that, you know, could definitely sort of find some inroads here, getting him out of like that region, the, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what, what's it called the Midwest, I guess. I don't even know if that's the Midwest. Yeah. Um, okay. The Midwest, I mean, with Michigan state, Notre Dame, those types of schools sort of involved as well might be tough, but I think if there's one maybe out of region school, uh, that could make maybe make things interesting. I could see that being Miami. So um, that's probably, you know, you got to have a quarterback in there. That's probably the guy I'd roll with. I kind of tossed and turned between that. I could have gone another way, but I decided to to lean on Dante more there. All right. Are we on number six now? I guess we're on number six. I will go with Derek LeBlanc, a defensive okay. lineman out of uh, Kissimmee, Osceola. So Central Florida kid. 
um, you know, big, big time talent. I think at 24 seven sports, we are much higher than him than the composite. We have him as a number 12 overall player. I think number three defensive lineman. Um, I think he's a big time guy, man. I mean, he's someone that's visited Miami already a few times. Um, someone that's sort of teased that a decision could be coming soon. I yeah. know, I know he was the first 2020, 2023 that was at Miami when Mario Cristobal got hired. So I think that that's a pretty big deal. Like he wanted to make that move. And I think after that is when he decided to maybe even push his decision back a little bit further. I think maybe Ohio state would have been in a good spot there. I think Mario Cristobal sort of gave him something else to think about. So I think Miami's firmly in the recruitment there again, you kind of want to draw that line uh, at some point across central Florida. I know they talk about the entire state of Florida, but the like the traditional line of the state of Miami is, uh, you know, somewhere across Tampa or Orlando or wherever you want to draw it. Right, so, right. you know, that's definitely a prime area for, for Miami. And he's a, he's a big, big time talent at a position that Mario Cristobal has been sort of pounding is pounding the table about, and that's just the defensive line, the trenches and all that. So I think Derek LeBlanc is one of those sort of must get guys for, for Miami in this cycle. The seventh one. Um, I'm going to go with Malik Bryant. Um, I edge linebacker. Maybe he's a five-star uh, in the composite, I believe, but we'll see yes. where he ends up. Uh, a guy that started as a sophomore IMG Academy. I think that's where we well, really had a big freshman year at Orlando Jones made the leap to IMG Academy really didn't miss a beat, you know, started as a sophomore, which is something really, really hard to do over there. Just given the fact that they pretty much get guys from all across the country and Malik Bryant was definitely an impact guy for them. I think he's kind of growing out of like a hands in the dirt sort of, you know, edge defensive end type of prospect. I think he could potentially be more of an outside linebacker type. Uh, regardless, he's someone Miami's really, really high on. And again, another guy that's, you know, went back to Orlando Jones for his uh, senior year. And, you know, Miami's definitely heavily in, in the mix with, I know Georgia really likes him. Florida really likes him. He recently spent some time at Alabama. It's going to be interesting to see where else he sort of makes it. But uh, I know Miami's one of those schools that he's really, really considering. When he came down for elite prospect day, he came down with his parents, you know, mom, dad, they came in like an SUV and it was just all family of his. And uh, so, you know, I think that he's someone that Miami fans are definitely going to want to keep an eye on and a guy that Miami's definitely pushing for right now. If I'm Miami, I would make him my top linebacker target. Mm -hmm. uh, I know he's, he's listed in the database as an edge guy, which is kind of more of like a defensive end. To me, he's a linebacker, just body type wise. He, he kind of reminds me, honestly, of Dylan Moses, another former IMG Academy linebacker, played at Alabama. Um, but yeah, he's just an athletic guy, can run sideline to sideline, can also rush the passer, which makes him versatile, which is not a bad thing. Uh, number eight. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Monroe Freeling, offensive lineman out of South Carolina, Oceanside Collegiate Academy. Uh, you know, he's a big kid, six foot seven, you know, pushing 300 pounds, basketball player. Um, I spoke to him over the weekend. He said Miami's one of the schools he has to get to before he makes a decision. He talked about he like uh, twice in January, he planned to get to Miami. I know one of them was supposed to be for the elite prospect day. I guess his flight got canceled because of weather both times. So he said like one of his priority visits in the spring is going to be to, to, to get to Miami. I mean, he just sort of raved about Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal and how those are two offensive line guys. And, you know, obviously the allure of having a head coach that is super on, uh, on uh, hands-on with the offensive lineman played the position himself, won a national championship in college. And, you know, has obviously been successful at a lot of other places. I think he spent a part of his life in Oregon. Um, I think he's, from what okay. I get, he's moved a few times and he said he grew up watching Oregon. So, I mean, for grow, growing up for us is different than like, you know, growing up for him could have been the last 
five years, which is really when Mario Cristobal spent all that time at Oregon winning a couple of Rose Bowls and, you know, having a ton of success over there. So, you know, his probably late middle school through high school life, it's been Mario Cristobal at Oregon, you know, having a ton of success. So I know that's a program that he looked at a lot, said now that he's at Miami, it's a school he definitely wants to to check out. So I'm looking at Monroe Freeling. I know he's one of the top offensive linemen on, on Miami's board as well. Him being from South Carolina, is Clemson a school to watch or do you get yeah. a vibe on who's in there as well? Yeah, I think Clemson's a big school to watch. I definitely think that they're heavily, heavily involved there. I think Notre Dame is another school um, that's that's really in the mix there. A, a few others. Uh, he says he kind of wants to take a few big trips. I mean, he's talking about coming to Miami and then maybe seeing Florida, uh, doing something in the Midwest where he goes to see Notre Dame and Michigan and um, a few of those other schools over there. Um, I think he talked about going out West even, and maybe even seeing Stanford, uh, Oregon potentially, and maybe some of those other West coast schools. So, um, I know that there's a few other schools involved. I know Clemson's definitely, definitely in the mix. I know Notre Dame is as well, but, um, I think he's still sort of trying to feel his way out of all this. He's playing basketball. So he ended up not even taking any visits in the spring. Miami was actually the only trip that he planned on taking in January. So, um, I think that tells you about how he feels about that program right now. Number nine. Number nine, let's go with, who do I have here? Mac Markaway. Okay. So that's a, a tight end out of, he's from, he's from St. Louis in Missouri. He came down for elite prospect day from just talking to him. He tried to make it down, I guess, in March of 2020, which I guess would have been his sophomore year, but that was like right before COVID. So Miami was a school he wanted to check out earlier in the process. Finally was able to get down in January for that elite prospect day. That was a big deal for him just because, you know, just being able to be around the program. And he just felt like he left feeling a lot better about Miami than maybe he did coming in. He went from Miami straight to Iowa. Um, and those are the two schools that he's actually planned return visits to. So, uh, okay. you know, he made it known that he's going to come back, check out Miami at some point. I think, I think he said it was going to be in April. Um, and then he's going to go check out Iowa again. So, I mean, you can, one of the rules of recruiting is following the visits. It feels like Miami's done a really good job in that recruitment for Markway. Was one at one point committed to Florida, so this right. could be something about the Sunshine State that's attractive to him. If I, if I, I mean, if I remember correct, I'm not, I'm not going to say this because I don't even know if I'm making it up or if it's maybe I'm talking about someone else. But um, you know, I do think that there's something about you know Florida and you know the Sunshine State that is attractive to him. He was a uh, you know at Elite Prospect Day. Uh, stands out physically, right? Definitely. Physically impressive guy for a high school tight end. Um, and yeah, top 100 guy, number 95 overall in the country. All right, the 10th one. There's, there is more, right? Miami's oh, on so a lot more. of top 100 guys right now. They're, they're shooting high. Uh, but who is your 10th one? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that is, is committed elsewhere right now. But just kind of talking to people, you know, over the last few days, like this is a guy I think they're going to go completely all in for. That's Keon Keeley. He's a he's out of Tampa Berkeley Prep. He's going to be like a five star type. I think he's just an absolute freak. He's committed to Notre Dame. Um, from what I understand, Miami's really going to sort of you know pu push all their chips to the middle of the table for him. Just really give him something to think about. From what I'm getting, uh, you know, they feel like he's being really receptive back to them, and that you know he could be a guy that maybe gets on campus at some point. Um, again, he made an early commitment to Notre Dame, but it seems like there's schools that are really coming after him now. I know Miami's definitely one of them that are, that are definitely making that push. And, you know, again, he is a like top, top, top of the board type of guy for those, for this new staff at Miami. So Keon Keeley might be a name that, you know, Miami fans want to keep track of, you know, through this process again, committed to Notre Dame, 
um, could stick to that. I don't think that there's anything, uh, you know, really, you know, signaling that he's sort of thinking about stepping away from that. Um, right. You know, Notre Dame obviously has that alert for some people, but you know, again, Miami's going to push hard. Six five two thirty edge guy from, like you said, Tampa Berkeley Prep. Um, so yeah, that's ten names. There's probably just off the top of my head here, probably at least ten more, right? At in least. the top one hundred. Yeah, like nailing, draw, getting it down to ten is tough because I mean we can just go like super, we can just rattle off 10 more names and I can right. just like have the same sort of logic and sense that, you know, Miami could potentially be in the mix there. Um, you know, there's a lot more guys. And again, I, I feel like I had some, some good conversations over the weekend and they're really going to go after the top of these guys. Like if you're looking at guys, I mean, you, they're not worried about these t- early top five lists that people are dropping. If you see someone that's dropping right. a top five and Miami's not on it, they are just not caring about that stuff at all. They're going to make pushes for a lot of these top dudes. If there's someone that they want, they know. I mean, we saw it a lot this past cycle, at least for me, that it was my first true recruiting cycle. What's happening in late November and December is not the same as what's happening in January and February. So you're seeing these lists and they're changing significantly. Like where was Miami with Trevante Citizen in February? Where was Miami with Cyrus Moss, with, with Jaleel Skinner, with all these guys? This is a process. This is an entire process. And they're going to go after the top guys like they are, and they are going to just make sure that they're in their ear and that they're just going to continue, you know, making these sort of moves and, you know, allow the chicks, the chips to sort of fall where they may, but they're going to, they're going to go after these guys. I promise you that. Over under nine and a half top 100 players sign in this class. What do you got? (laughs) I feel like, man, it's be honest tough. don't don't i mean i might go i might go under just because that sounds like a lot and like i don't yeah. remember the last time miami's done that but um they'll be close could, i bet though i think they, i think they could be close and i wouldn't be surprised to see them pass that but to just say right here off the bat like yeah 10 a top 100 guys um that's a, that's a big ask and i'm I not, think I'm not they'll be close them. yeah i think if they win let's say they win 10 games i think it's a lock that they'll go over that right um I think just like a regular, let's say eight or nine win season, I could see him land seven ish. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a long ways to go. So it's, a, it's a bit ridiculous. I, I put that over under out there, but I, I looked at this Gabby, right. So on paper, Texas A&M signed the best recruiting class of all time, right. Yeah. Whatever that means, you know, um, in terms of recruiting rankings, um, guess how many top 100 players they signed. And this is from the composite, right? So this is like industry generated average top 100 player. Guess high. They signed 29 total. So how many of the 29 were top 100? Uh, I'm going to say 21. That was a good guess. 18. 18. Wow. So I went through. I went. I went through it one day. Like I was going through all, like to see how many guys in the top two, four, seven. Miami was sort of going, and I just ended up doing a bunch of schools that I was seeing, and I know Texas was just like a stupid number, ridiculous. So like, yeah, one fifth of the top one hundred, yeah, basically signed with Texas A&M. A&M. That's insane. Uh, so okay, obviously top one hundred players. The more of them you stack, uh, you're you're tilting the probability in your in in your favor of having a, a highly talented team. Right. Um, but of course there are game changing players that rank outside of the top 100. And that I think that's especially true, you know, 
with South Florida prospects. Um, so give me three Dade or Broward local guys um, that that you feel like Miami should be landing. Um, so we've already mentioned like Jalen Brown. We've already mentioned yeah. Hakeem Williams. Maybe guys that are like, you know, four-star guys, but not not that elite level recruit at this stage. For sure. I'm going to give you, I'm, you said three guys. I might go four just because I had a hard time cool. putting one of these guys out. Um, the first one I'm going to go with is Ruben Bain. Um, he's just outside of the Stud. top 100, the Miami central defensive lineman. Um, you know, watch I think his film. Left, Everyone who's film listening to this, yeah. go watch his film, type Ruben Bain huddle, H U D L. And the guy, I mean, his motor is ridiculous. His technique yeah. is ridiculous for a high school player. He's just a little sawed off, right? He's a, yeah. he's six, two. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's not a five star, but yeah. yes, he is. He's a legacy. Go ahead. I cut you off, but yeah, no, Ruben, you're good. Bain's, Ruben Bain's a freak. Yeah. Ruben Bain is a freak. And I, I think a, a guy Miami needs to sort of get this cycle. Um, you know, we're talking about the trenches. I know a million times we say the trenches, but I mean, this is one of those guys and just a ton of connections to Miami. I mean, David, you're talking about it. His older brother is an offensive uh, GA. Um, his uncle's Tolbert Bain, who won a national championship at Miami. Um, you know, Sabbath Joseph is a longtime defensive coordinator at Miami Central, you know, a great player in their program's history. Um, you know, they got a ton of dudes. Wesley Besaint, who was his co, uh, who was the co-defensive player of the year with Ruben Bain, is just signed with Miami. I mean, a lot of connections to Miami, but, you know, he's sort of maintaining that he's keeping this thing open. But I think he's one of those guys Miami needs to have. I think when it's all said and done and all dust settles and the recru- recruiting process sort of takes its, its course, I think Ruben yeah. Bain is probably a hurricane. I think that's going to be t- it's going to be tough for him to get anywhere else unless one of these major, major, major schools like Alabama or Georgia or one of these schools, which could easily happen. I mean, his tape is ridiculous. Definitely, David. So I mean, those schools could, could could absolutely make strong pushes. But I mean, I'm definitely liking Ruben Bain. Um, another guy I would go with probably um, Robbie Washington, who's a guy that's outside of the top two for the top 100 as well. Um, I don't remember exactly where he sits on the top 100 on the top two, four, seven here. Um, but he's definitely outside of that top 100. Um, he's, at he actually, he's at a Miami Killian. Yes. Uh, you know, number the 24 at 24, seven sports, we have him ranked inside the top 100 and the number nine, uh, athlete in the country. So, you know, he's actually going to be making a decision probably sometime in March. Um, I think mine is very, very, very much in the mix. Um, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball in right now. Um, but I could see it potentially trending that way over the next few weeks, but that's definitely a situation to be monitoring right now is just what Robbie Washington's going to do. So I think that that's, uh, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot there. And I think that's a guy that they would definitely like to have, um, sticking to the same side of the ball. Uh, let's go with Mark Fletcher, uh, the running back, a lot of, you know, big time guy out of plantation American heritage in Broward County. Um, you know, Miami hasn't had a ton of success, re- uh, uh, recruiting that school, but there's a few guys there in that 2023 class that they would really like to have. Mark Fletcher's a, you know, he told me at the elite prospect day that he was six foot two, 230 pounds. Um, he looks it, you know, he's definitely a, a big, big guy. Um, de- I mean, you can turn on his tape. I think he recently dropped his junior tape as well. I think it was last week. And um, you know, he, you can see why he's one of the most sought after running backs in the country. So, you know, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot there. I know his dad is a, a big Miami fan too. So, and I know they're in a really good position with Eric Hickson, uh, with Kevin Smith. I think he felt like he was sort of a priority for him too at that elite prospect day with Richard Young and those photos that they were taking. So uh, Mark Fletcher's definitely a name to know there. Uh, last guy I would probably highlight is his teammate, 
uh, cornerback Damari Brown, another Miami legacy. His dad, Selwyn, played at Miami. Uh, Miami tried to get his brother it's sort of in the 11th hour, Devontae, and he, but he ended up signing with UCF. I mean, this is a guy that Miami really, really likes. You're talking about a plan A cornerback, a guy that they would take this second if he wanted in. Um, you know, I know that this is someone that DeMarcus Van Dyke and all those guys at Miami are super, super high on. So um, Damari Brown, he's a four star. I think he's probably outside of the two, out of the, like the top 250 uh, right now. But he recently got the four, uh, became a four star for our guys over at 24-7 Sports. So um, big kid, uh, big, strong. I think kind of checks the boxes physically of what you want for a cornerback. I think he's shown a willingness to hit. Uh, picked off uh, Florida State signee and I think early enrollee A.J. Duffy early in the season when American Heritage played against IMG Academy. Um, I think he's a big time talent, man. And just every time I sort of watch him, I think he's someone that can, you know, end up outplaying his ranking, not saying he's underranked or anything like that, but uh, I think he's someone that Miami would really like to have. And so that's probably the the last guy I would put in Dayton Broward. Good names. There's, there's of course plenty of more. Oh yeah. And this, this is the challenge, right. For Mario Cristobal, because he wants to recruit nationally, which he should, uh, but you also got to uh, keep the best players locally at home. Uh, you know, guys that might not rank in the top 100, but if we're being real, are just as good um, because football's just different in South Florida, right? Oh, yeah. Um, tell me this: who who would win in a in a hundred meter race between Jalen Brown and Robbie Washington? That would be interesting to see, honestly, man. Joe, Robbie Washington grew up running track. Like this is like, that's like his background is like what he like was raised doing was running. Um, <laughs> that would be really close, man. I think Jalen might probably have him by a hair. I think Robbie Washington might have like, you know, the, the, about short, 40. the 40 would be interesting. The 40 yeah, would yeah. be interesting. The hundred, I think Jalen would get him. Cause I think once Jalen hits his stride, you know, like those long strides, I think he might get him. But in the 40, I think, I don't know, man, that, that would be, I think that would be pretty close. That's some impressive speed. And that's what Josh Gaddis wants, right? Yeah. Like at, at Michigan, that was, that was what he was trying to uh, change about that Michigan offense while he was there. And he did do that to some extent, uh, you know, upgraded the wide receiver speed um, during his time there. So uh, anything else to touch on there? I mean, it's, it's going to be cra crazy. Do you know, like, I mean, I assume it's just kind of, open door policy. Right. Uh, but I would assume spring football will be oh, yeah. a key time for Miami's recruiting efforts. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that's something else I got a little more clarity on over the weekend. It's just, I don't know. You see schools having like this big junior day. I think Florida state's doing something March 5th. I know a few other schools are doing something that same weekend. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be more of an open door policy where, you know, they don't, they already have like their big junior day. I think now it's going to be about creating more intimate settings um, of just having guys consistently rolling in, you know, yeah. throughout the spring for practice or any, or throughout any of those times. So I think that's more of what we're going to see over the spring rather than this one big day where they try to get a bunch of guys on campus. I think they're, they, they did that with, you know, the elite prospect day, they're able to put faces to names and all that stuff. And now it's just about really, really getting to the, the nitty gritty of, you know, really establishing those relationships. Um, so I think when smaller groups or just, you know, as guys want to come, come through and all that stuff or however that works, um, it's going to be, I would expect guys in and out of the door throughout the spring uh, for as long as that contact period is open. All right, let's wrap it up there. Um, again, appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast. 
recruiting is going to get ramped up here very soon. Uh, spring football right around the corner. Football never stops, man. It's a year-round sport. Um, we're here for it. We will pro- In our next podcast, we'll plan on doing a mailbag-type podcast. Um, maybe answer some questions from our Inside the U subscribers. Uh, maybe our next podcast, too, will be uh, breaking down the coaching staff, right? Maybe that happens here this week, and we can talk about the totality of, of the first Mario Cristobal coaching staff. But anyways, um, appreciate everyone who listens. Much love. Love everyone who listens to this podcast. And until next time, take care.